we solve the problem of knowledge walking out the door when someone retires or changes jobs. And we uh, elevate everyone to the level of a star performer so they can all do uh, sort of the best practices of the top performers. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Founders in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight through a product lens on some of the exceptional founders we have as part of the LA community in an unedited one take organic conversation. With us today is Joe Rogers. Joe, thanks for coming down to the studio. Great to be here, Ethan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm I'm excited to to have you here, man. Uh, But first, a word from our sponsors. Founders in LA is brought to you by Nearshore. Nearshore is a trailblazer in nearshore outsourcing and staff augmentation. With over 15 years of experience offering exceptional Latin American software development, data, product, and design talent for U.S. projects, Nearshore has revolutionized the way that companies scale their teams. They stand apart with 50% female leadership, are trusted by companies large and small, and have been helping U.S. customers grow since before nearshoring was cool. Discover how Nearshore can power your tech goals and help you stay lean while scaling fast. Learn more at www.nearsure.com. That's www.neasure.com. We're also brought to you by United Club. United Club is the co-working space that sets itself apart. With locations in El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, and Hermosa, United is where creativity flourishes. Unlike traditional offices, they offer inspiring environment where ideas can thrive and businesses can grow. With United, there's no hidden fees, flexible terms, Options for dedicated offices and unlimited access to conference rooms, a photo studio, this podcast studio, plus standard 3D printers and 24-7 access at any of their locations. Their local champions who support neighborhood businesses, open their event spaces to nonprofits and celebrate art, music, and culture. Join United Club and experience co-working like never before. Learn more at www.unita.club. That's www.unita.club. ITA.CLUB. Our guest today is Joe Rogers. He is the CEO of WorkDone.ai. Hey, Joe, can you just give us a 30 second description of WorkDone? Sure. Yeah, WorkDone, the tagline is uh, Consulting Automation for Enterprise Optimization. Uh, the longer explanation is I have uh, been consulting to Fortune 1000 companies over the last 20 plus years across uh, like 10 countries and uh, major, major multinationals. And one day I had the realization as to how I could automate myself as a consultant. So that was the genesis for work done. What we've done is uh, sort of captured our expertise and knowledge and created an AI corporate memory that uh, identifies and diagnoses the problems of a client, uh, generates solutions, and deploys the automation or efficiency. So our patented expertise capture identifies the best practices and then empowers the individual workers to perform at the level of the top performers. So in a nutshell, we solve the problem of knowledge walking out the door when someone retires or changes jobs. And we uh, elevate everyone to the level of a star performer so they can all do uh, sort of the best practices of the top performers. I love so many parts of that. Um, first of all, I do love the 
the goal of putting yourself out of a job. Uh, I always have, uh, I, I always, there's a dating app called Hinge and like they, their tagline is they're, they're an app that's meant to be deleted. Uh, I had a, a former boss who used to say a, a great manager like gets to a point where he doesn't need to be there anymore because the team just knows how to build. I imagine having spent the time as a consultant going to these companies, uh, you kept facing not similar, not the same problem because every, every situation is different, but there are patterns that you must have picked up on and you were just like, hey, you know, we could automate this. I, I just see the same problem over and over again. There's slight changes to it, but uh, I see opportunities to just kind of, yeah, put it, not an autopilot, but put in some situation where they can automate some of these tasks. I do so not to start fresh every single time. Absolutely. And uh, earlier on in my career, I did a lot of uh, accounts payable projects and uh, and then did some like insurance claim processing projects and then uh, sort of a credit card application processing. And I started to see similar similarities among, across all of them, even they're completely different industries or, or functions. Um, usually there's some thing, some object, some piece of work comes in to start the process. Data is extracted and then there's like a system of record whatever it's ERP or CRM or whatever, and that data goes in there. And the, obviously the, the human, there's a lot of knowledge and experience that goes into how to do it, but at a high level, there's the same process. There's review, there's cut back, oh, we got to wait for this. And, okay, now that this is in, we got to send this off. And So the, the business logic varies. But if you separate the business logic from the actual like flow of the work and then what the humans are doing, it's possible to create sort of a generic work processor to handle these different use cases. So that's one piece of what we're doing. And then the, uh, the other thing is, as a consultant, um, there's, you know, a customer will say, you know what, we need help with this. Now, as a consultant coming in, we don't necessarily, we just nod and smile and say, yes, uh, we understand. But then we actually figure out what the real problem is, despite right. what they say the problem. And then if the problem is the same, great. But frequently it's a different problem. And part of the trick is getting them to realize what the real problem is without us telling them. So they adopt it, take ownership of it. And then it's sort of like, okay. Now we do the, this needs assessment um, or uh, requirements gathering. And a lot of that often requires going to the people um, that are doing the work and sort of shadowing them, looking over their shoulder. What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Why are you doing this? It's horrible because, uh, you know, these people have been working there 5, 10, 20, 15 years like, uh, and then they see the consultants coming in in suits and everybody sits up straight and tries to look busy. And it's just the most disruptive experience. And, uh, and that, you know, I've, I've been that consultant many times. It, uh, it uh, reminds me of the movie Office Space. I was thinking that in my mind as yeah. you do it with Bob yeah. and Bob. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so what Work Done does is we don't have to set foot on site. We can basically observe the business process remotely by putting a little piece of software on the desktop. There's no UI. There's no training required. Uh, people just keep working the way they've been working. And we watch the work come in. We watch the knowledge worker process the work. We capture the outcome and determine the best practice around processing specific types of work. And that's what we call expertise capture. 
And then we store that in the customer's corporate memory. So it is their specific operation. It's like how they do, that's how they pay their invoices. Not necessarily the, the company next door. And it's definitely not the situation which is the norm where, say, you implement NetSuite or, or some big SAP, some big ERP system, and then you have to bend your business processes to work the way the software works. This is quite the opposite. We're learning how you work and um, observing what the knowledge worker is doing on the glass in between the systems and then capturing that and retaining that. So the knowledge doesn't walk out the door when somebody retires or changes jobs. Wow. So there's, uh, there's several pieces to this uh, that I enjoy. Um, so from, from the product perspective, um, I, I love that you guys are, it's a common thing that we've had on this podcast before, is meeting folks where they're at. So instead of forcing them to bend to these, coming and say, hey, you know, we've observed what you guys are doing. Um, you know, we think you can make some changes, which literally is your job as a consultant. But instead of saying, hey, we have these like best practices you guys should try to learn yourself. It's, hey, we've seen what you're doing we can continue to guys coming close to what you're doing with slight modifications and saying wholesale, Hey, here's, here's a new system. Learn this. Um, come in terms of in the world of software development, I just think of, of, um, agile development and, you know, this concept, uh, that I've seen as just called flavors of agile. Cause it's, there's agile software development doesn't exist in its pure form anywhere. Um, outside of, you know, some, some great books. Um, but, Everyone seems to be managing to get software out the door. Some are more efficient than others, but instead of saying, hey, you're doing it totally different and modifying to your flavor, understanding here's how you work, here's how we think we can make you more efficient with minimal changes to the workflow, with minimal changes to your, your day-to-day and disruption to your people. Sure. Well, say there's 10 people you know, processing claims. There's, a, there's a, a function, a process, and then there's activities and there's tasks. And worker one might be really good at one aspect and worker two might be good at a different aspect. So we can identify who's good at what and then surface all those and socialize them. Just literally have them talk about it with each other so they can all use those tricks that maybe the person sitting next to them doesn't know. If you hit alt tab, it'll take you to the next window or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's it can literally be something as simple as that. So uh, it's there's a, a lot in what you just said. We're, we're, uh, we want to certainly meet them where they're at and take advantage of the best practices amongst them. And that there's a, there's a lift there and that's kind of where we start. But, um, in this time of like, especially gen AI, we don't want to stop there. We want to, while we're monitoring, um, we actually sort of can come up with uh, uh, found rules, foundation, like this is where we're starting and this is where we want to go. Now, people have been doing this work for 10, 20, 30 years the same way. Let's, let's model, let's simulate some new ways to do this mm. that perhaps we haven't thought of before. And Gen AI is really good at that. And then we can actually come up with a new workflow and then simulate it and say, oh, you know, if this goes the way uh, we see it, uh, simulate, we'll save this much in terms of time per transaction, in terms of labor costs. And then once it's like iterated on, we can then deploy it. So 
What I've described so far was the front end assessment where we just monitor in the background and, and feed a, a, a dashboard to show uh, a number of like process health, green, yellow, red, like opportunities for improvement. Say we see something yellow or something red and we suggest a fix for it and, and the customer wants to move on to that, or like move forward with that. That is basically an upsell for us to a managed service. So we have a back-end workflow engine uh, leveraging um, RPA, robotic process automation. We're partnered with Microsoft using their Power Automate tool. And then we use APIs. So basically, our, our you know, proprietary IP, our, our, our engine creates prompts to generate the automation to do the interface between, say, um, you know, maybe a, a MailChimp and a Salesforce. Or the, the endpoints are completely open, you know. We're SaaS first, but we can do on-prem as well. But the idea being, it'll generate the efficiency to get the data from here to there. Whatever the human is doing, they don't have to do that anymore. They can go do something else, something uh, higher value add, you know, more strategic. Could, could we double click into that to that uh, automation, kind of the open-ended automation? Because, so um, you're saying it, it was able to identify like the hooks for which you could set up a process across different apps? Yeah, it's kind of like the glue in between the apps. Where If you're watching a knowledge worker, they might have a couple monitors and they're using different tools and we're not replacing any of those tools. We're actually capturing what's happening in between and storing that and then automating <laughs> that. So it's what the human is doing. How did you... You find yourself here. So you were a consultant for years, but did you do you have an inkling that you're gonna? I guess you were consultant. You were independent consultant. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, I mean, it literally starts in college. I uh, I I went to Harvard at 14, summer school, and then enrolled as a freshman at 16, and I was super ha Harvard Harvard like, University College, yeah, Cambridge, Cambridge Mass. Mass. Wow. All right. And uh, even though I, I grew up in Santa Ana down the road. Um, and, uh, I was young, uh, much younger and I realized it. So the year before my senior year of college, I took off and I actually came out and, uh, was, uh, uh, couch surfing in, in um, Sawtell area, well, West LA. Yeah. And I went to a temp agency and they sent me on a two day job to a company called FileNet. And FileNet at the time had pioneered sort of document imaging and workflow and moving images from desk to desk. Nobody had done it before. And I worked in L.A. that year off. I worked out of their Boston office during my last year of school. And, uh, and I taught myself the technology sort of in the evenings on the demo system. And when I came back to L.A., they had a customer in Beverly Hills, an insurance company that needed some help. So that was the beginning of my sort of career it was more of a contract programming gig, but then I ended up building a small consultancy and, uh, and then built a uh, software company um, that was uh, very much a learning opportunity. I made every mistake possible there. <laughs> but, uh, and then I went back to consulting and myself and a, a couple other uh, FileNet consultants, we formed a, a company called RGB Projects, which um, IBM bought FileNet, so then we became an IBM business consultant. And so we still do IBM projects to this day, actually subcontract directly to IBM for some internal projects. Um, I personally sort of pulled away from that a little bit uh, to do this because I had this vision. 
but you could say my entire sort of career has led up to this point. I, I, I just can't stop thinking about this idea of you, a, I guess, maybe 19-year-old, soon-to-be Harvard senior going to a temp agency or staffing agency in Sawtell asking for a gig. I mean, what, what were they just like? Did you tell them everything? Who you like? You tell them about your background. I'm like, I'm just looking for it. You just like kind of quietly. They ask you to do like a typing test, and like, you did, know, you, did you kind of like reveal like the the kind of the caliber of of you know background you had? Or? Well, if you're looking for a job, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, what's funny is they sent me a, on a, a two day word processing gig because the uh, office administrator had thrown a stapler at like the sale, the top selling salesman in the company. And so they let her go and they needed these proposals generated and I knew Microsoft Word and it's like, oh, can you go help them just two days to get this done? And uh, it was in a sales office actually in Culver City and, uh, and I'm still friends with a number of those people today. Um, they, they're like, oh, we gotta keep this guy. He seems to know what he's doing. So it was a, it was a great just, it's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing, that, that two-day temp job. And, and that one year off you took from college, you, 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 found, you found, uh, found your path. Well, yeah. I mean, it was the last year. I actually had taken some time earlier. I wanted, my thing was I wanted to be able to legally order a beer in a bar when I graduated. So I had to push the date back a little bit. <laughs> I also came to the realization that the label of student, if, you, if you're a student, nobody expects anything of you. So I figured I'd try to... Just milk that as long as I could. Oh, as well. and it opens up so many doors. Yeah, I speak <laughs> to so many, uh, you know, founders who are, who are either in college still or they're in grad school. Right. Uh, and I'm like, oh no, you leverage that network. You say you're a student. Use your use your, uh, you know, UCLA account to, to sure. reach out to people because that that'll open more doors than anyone saying, hey, uh, I'm a fellow, you know, a fellow Bruin. It's great, but if you're if I'm a current Bruin, I'm studying right now. People. People will share their knowledge very openly with students. Sure, sure. I got a certificate in uh, project management from UCLA Extension All right. much later, you know. But uh, I, I think that technically makes me an alumni. Oh, um, so, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's funny you, you asked about Harvard. I, er, I, earlier on in my conversation, or in my career rather, I, uh, I probably didn't leverage it enough because... Mm. I found that if I met someone and I started talking, as soon as I mentioned Harvard, the whole conversation would just take a left turn. And it got boring for me, and I was like wanting to learn about the person I was talking to. So I didn't really, a lot of people mention it, they name drop, like they can't wait to name drop. It, only recently have I started doing that. Now I drop it all the time. Giving, giving I'd love to just you know, take a beat on this one for a second. So early, early stage founders, people who are just starting to find it, you know, are there any tips like that that you would recommend for them? Is there something oh. you wish you would have done more of when you were first starting out? You know, um, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, worked on, just went through the Techstars program um, at the Future of E-Commerce with eBay up in the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area. And it was I had always, you know, having been self-employed since college and started multiple companies, I didn't really think that I would benefit from something like that. Right. Um, it was the best experience ever. Uh, and I wish I'd done it 20 years ago. It's kind of like an MBA just for tech startups without any of the fluff. Um, 
And uh, I, I know that uh, the program quality is tightly tied to the managing director. And our managing director, his name is Neil Salas Griffin. He just come out. He came out from Chicago in the middle of the program. He's awesome, and he ran a tight ship. And he was just super present, super smart guy, very accomplished. Um, he actually ran for mayor of Chicago at one point. And uh, you know, I could call him. I could text him right now. He'd probably be respond in a in a minute. And the thing of it is, is he's doing three cohorts a year, three months apiece. So it's like he manages all of this flow, the steady flow of, of, uh, you know, upstart entrepreneurs and, and he's very, he's very authentic. So yeah, I, I would suggest that to a new entrepreneur. Um, an, and an accelerator and specifically tech stars. Yeah. If you, if you haven't gotten an MBA, do that. I mean, you can figure it out, but, uh, but it's, it's a lot faster and talk about network. I mean, I know, you know, I think Y Combinator is probably a little better known than Techstars, uh, tech even though I think technically Techstars might be older. Um, they both started around the same time. But uh, the Techstars uh, universe is um, quite large, over 3,000 companies, and, uh, and they have a sort of an ethos like give first. It's like you meet somebody, if you can help them out, just help them out it's without any expectation of return. It's very sort of karmic, you know? And I love that because stuff does come around, you know? It's not, oh, what can you do for me? Which We've never heard that in Los Angeles before. But uh, it's, uh, and, and, you know, I think there's over 50 Techstars programs in the, around the world right now. So um, chances are there's one near you. You know, we've had a number of Techstars folks on the show, and, and, and they are genuine, and I, I think they do abide by that, you know, give first mentality. Mm -hmm. um, anything else you'd give, any other, you know, tips you'd give to, you know, founders who are just starting out? Maybe they're, maybe they're pre-seed um, trying to find their way. It's, uh, it's, it's challenging. Because I mentioned I've started multiple companies and it's uh, it's a common mistake I think or I can only speak from my uh, experience I've drawn lines in the sand where I'm like you know what if this hasn't happened by this date I'm gonna shut it down and then I erase that line and I draw <laughs> once, another one. once you get to it you keep yeah pushing and it keep line. going yeah. and I've done that multiple times <laughs> um, but then once it's done it's like oh man I'm never gonna do that again and then I do it again so it's uh, it's good to actually you know, not get too caught up in an idea or too married to it um, and be ready to shut it down in an orderly fashion and communicate to the stakeholders along the way. Look, this is what's, you know, this is what it looks like. Um, on the flip side, it's like uh, while you're building the thing, whatever it is, uh, you don't want to, you want to give it time. You got to like, you've got this idea, you think it could work, you know, if you try it for a month and nothing happens, that doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means it takes longer than a month. So you got to like give it enough time to work. And then once you like test the experiment and you're like, oh, you know what? This, this, I, I didn't realize this, there's this weird thing, you know, the moon aligns with Saturn or uh, there's a law that goes in effect uh, next month. I, my idea is not going to work. But you, you did it and then you found that out and now you know. 
So now, now you can shut it down and move on to the next experiment or the next target market or the next idea. You know, so in one sense, you don't want to quit too early. And then in another sense, you don't want to wait too long. So how, how do you know it's time to shut it down? The age old question. Um, I don't have an answer to that. How, how for you having, sounds like you shut, you did shut one down. What, what was the point where you said? All right, I'll talk about work done. So I started work done, uh, the end of 2017. Okay. And, uh, and the vision was a little different back then. The idea for the, I mean, I filed for the patent in 2018. Okay. It came through five years later, <laughs> but, uh, Sounds about right. I, I actually, uh, kept getting like, I would get, you know, a nice reception, but then it seemed like I kept hitting a wall, hitting a wall. And at a certain point I'm like, you know what? I was worried about the window of opportunity closing. I don't think it's actually opened. I think I'm too early. So I actually put work done on the shelf and I said, you know what? This idea is still good. I know it's going to be valid in two years, three years. I'm going to go off and do some other stuff. And, uh, and it was the best decision I ever made, which, you know, if I hadn't had all those previous experiences, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have been, you know, the struggling, like banging my head against the wall entrepreneur. But I actually just kind of pushed, stopped forcing and let it go. And, uh, and then as fate would have it, uh, couple things happened. Um, ChatGPT came out and then my patent came out. It was delivered and, uh, uh, or issued. And so spring of last year, I dusted off work done and immediately sort of fell into this Techstars thing. And my, my attitude was different, so I applied. And, uh, and it's been really a bit of a rocket ship actually since then, so. Phenomenal, it's phenomenal. And that, that idea that, you know, it's not, the timing isn't right right now, but doesn't mean you you can't dust it off later when when things will change in the world that you 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 didn't anticipate, but it, it ends up heading in the direction you did anticipate, and it provides a new opportunity. So, so how did you having dusted off work done? How did you find your first customers for it? Those were all referrals. Um, We've had three customers to date, and uh, well, two of the three were. And then one, I, I sat on a tech CEO roundtable, and a new CEO came in, and we kind of went around the horn describing what we were working on, and I described it, and he's like, oh, I could use that. So um, they're up in the in the, uh, the Valley, Canoga Park area, and uh, it's, it's, it's been another great learning from Techstars is how to generate demand. Hmm. As a consultant, my phone would just ring uh, or I'd just get an email and I never really had to look for work. I never had to generate demand. And now we're doing this thing like we talk about corporate memory. Nobody's heard of that. Uh, nobody knows what it is. There's, it's not a line item on a budget. Yet there's huge value for people and once they understand what it is, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Right. Let's save all kinds of problems. So, um, so generating demand has been my focus. And I mentioned before we started, I've like been reaching out to various people, uh, doing sort of uh, conversations like this and interviews for blogs. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm beating the bushes, uh, reaching out to my network and figuring out exactly what messaging works so that, you know, eventually we'll do, you know, 
paid ads, Google, stuff like that, and just start doing the whole funnel thing. Wow. And, and going back to, to that referral, you mentioned it just sounds like it's interesting, you know, to listen to the different ways people get their first customers because you have such strong founder market fit. It's something you've, you're starting up on, but it's a world you've been really interacting with. You actually were able to find a customer through, you know, a professional organization that you were already a part of um, and helped solve a problem that one of your peers had uh, that you also faced. So um, as we, as people consider where they can find those customers, this, this is a new one for, for us here at Founders, you know, a professional network that an existing professional network and just kind of sharing what you do with people who you know have a problem that you've also solved. Sure. Sure. Um, it, 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 and there's that credibility there as well, because I'd been a member of that network for some years. Um, but our, like with work done, we, uh, have, uh, taken our sort of invention and, there's a number of use cases that it'll apply for, but we picked one, and that's what we're drilling down on right now. We've got others in the future, but right now it's order to cash for mid-sized manufacturing companies. So order to cash refers to receiving the sales order, doing order entry, and then fulfillment, and then invoicing, and then collections. And that whole process is considered order to cash. And we instrument the desktops across those departments because an order passes through all of them. And then we can identify areas of inefficiency, bottlenecks, um, we can, ways that we can uh, improve cash flow, shorten the days outstanding. Um, we can increase this fulfillment cycle time so stuff doesn't la- take so long or it's deli- there's no late deliveries or reduce the late deliveries, as well as sort of increase the order margin. Instead of giving up 20% of the order value to processing, you can reduce it to 10%. I mean, that's significant. Uh, so that's our first use case. And that's so I've been leveraging my network, but I'm now we're very close to going out to mid-sized manufacturing companies, CFOs, COOs. Like if you're having order to cash problems, call us. I mean, you can call a consulting firm. Um, Ernst and Young or Price Waterhouse, and they'll send a small army and <laughs> charge you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, or you, and, and disrupt everybody. Or um, you can go with us, and the data that we're going to capture is way more granular and way more precise, and it removes all subjectivity. It's completely data driven. So, um, yeah, we think that once we have a few of those sort of success stories and we start uh, waving that flag, people will will start, uh, will come running. Oh, no, I mean, you're solving a problem that you've been studying and facing. And I I think that I've subcontracted to Accenture and Deloitte and IBM, and I see kind of how they do it. Yeah. Um, so this is not that let's just say there's, there's some fat that can be cut out of all of that, like how their, their methodology, a a lot less overhead as well. Um, so grounding this in, in L.A., uh, Joe, I, it sounds like you've had several stints here. I'd lo- love to, uh, if you have like a, a most L.A. moment, something that uh, sticks out is distinctly L.A. I, you know what? I mean, this has nothing to do with uh, uh, It does have to do with tech, yeah. Oh, no. okay. it does have to do with There's traffic. Not. Oh, traffic? Yes. All right. No, this was surprising to me because I, I drive, well, one of my cars is a, 
2006 Toyota Prius. Nice. And I'm going to drive it until the wheels fall off. I, it's a great car. Yeah. Um, I was sitting at a, you'll probably know this intersection, where Fairfax hits La Cienega at dead ends. Um, I was there at the red light, yeah. 3 p.m. on a Friday, and the light turned green, and this puff of smoke came up from under my hood. I'm like, and it was just dead. I mean, I had power, but it was it was not, the engine was not engaging. Long story short, I sitting there for a little while, called AAA. While I was sitting in the car with the hazards on, four separate people, all different types of people, came up to ask, oh, do you need jumpers? Do you need to push the car aside? Are you okay? And I'm like, what city am I in? This is not Los Angeles. It actually made me feel really good about my city. And it was a complete surprise. Um, of course, once, like later on, I, I got out of the car and I was standing on the sidewalk and there was a guy driving like a, an SUV and he was just like, looked at me and he looked at the car. He's like, deadbeat. You could tell he was thinking <laughs> deadbeat. But it was like, dude, my car broke down. What do you want? But uh, it, was, it was really a pleasant, just unexpected experience. It made me feel real good about like my fellow Angelinos. Oh, man, I love this story, Joe. Yeah, I mean, there are good people here there in are L.A. Good people. I, was, I was bracing myself for another, you know, another traffic story. But no. this, this was a happy ending. It's a, it's a, it was, yeah, and then the, the tow truck driver came and took me over to Toyota of Culver City, and we had a nice chat. He was from Ethiopia. He asked me if I was from Ethiopia. I'm like, oh, I was born in San Diego, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not, not super close. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it messed up my, my, my uh, you know, oddly enough, El, uh, Techstars Space, their, uh, that program had a, a demo day that afternoon at the, um, the, the car museum over on Fairfax and Wilshire. Right. Peterson Museum. Yeah. And, uh, and I was gonna try to go to that although it was sold out so i was gonna have to sneak in but uh i didn't get to go but it, it all worked out just you know just as just as well kind of push your 2006 prius into the automotive museum and that would have been funny the easy way to sneak in the back told door. the tow truck driver to take it there <laughs> got a new a new car for the car <laughs> everyone uh well we've been talking with joe rogers the ceo at work done uh hey joe and uh, where can where can folks find work done Workdone.ai, um, that's the website. Uh, my name is Joseph Rogers, J-O-S-E-P-H-R-O-G-E-R-S. My friends call me Joe. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, let's see, where else? LinkedIn's the best place. Uh, I don't tweet much, so. Um, or X. Or I don't ask much. much either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming down here, Joe. This has been great. Thank you for sharing so much with us. I think there's some, some great takeaways for, for folks here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, th thanks for coming. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors again, Nearshire and Unita. I'd like to thank you all for listening to us. And if you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button. Thanks again for joining us. And we'll catch you next time on Founders in L.A.